just a quick warning that we're going to be talking a lot, a lot, a lot about death and existentialism. So if you're not in the right headspace for that, maybe just get these next few episodes. everyone and welcome to part five of leaving the city this is a hopeless endeavor a joanna newsome podcast i am sam i am nikki you changed up the order of that intro i didn't mean to i couldn't remember what it is i usually say. you did great you nailed it um perfect yeah so that's who we are that's what the episode is and let's just talk mm-hmm. about some leaving the city stuff here we go Hold on to your hats. <laughs> horses. Horses. <laughs> Hold on to your horses. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> okay, so since we kind of left you guys last time in the middle of a verse, I'm just going to quickly read the verse that we're talking about before we actually get into the weeds here. So uh, we were in the middle of talking about this gorgeous, beautiful, complicated verse that goes like this in december of that year the word came down that she was here the days grew shorter i was sure if she came round i'd hold my ground i'd endure but they'd alluded to a change that came to pass and spring deranged weeping grass and sleepless broke herself upon my window glass and I could barely breathe for seeing all the splintered light that leaked her fissures, fleeing, launched in flight, on staunch daylight, brightly bleeding, bleached the night with dawn, deleting, in that high sun, after our good run, when the spirit bends beneath knowing it must end. I, was just I actually at the think lyrics, we the read some down. of that again at some point in the actual recording, but thought you just might want to hear my screaming baby. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take this opportunity to read some things about death. All right. So a few things before I just read these pages of notes that I have. Um, A few big contrasts in, and this is just all based off Wikipedia, and I'm sure a few other random websites. Um, Death is personified in a few different ways. Death is personified in like the Christian sense, um, in like the four horsemen of death, which we've talked, I think, a medium amount about already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's also, and death is also personified in a gendered way. So there are um, different cultures um, that personify death as either a man or a woman. And I think that um, both, I'm going to lean towards more the women ones can be applied here. Because we have like the Grim Reaper being a dude. We have what else being a dude? Like what's the typical death image? Yeah, I think the typical death image is the Grim Reaper here. Let's – I have a few different ones here. Okay. Okay. Death in – and this is – I'm going to go by um, culture. Okay. So, um, this is from Latin America. Um, and this is again, all from Wikipedia. 
And the note I have here is keep reading more examples. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good job, Pastor. Me. Um, so the Spanish word for death is a feminine noun. It is common in Spanish-speaking cultures to personify death as a female figure. Interesting. That's all I have for that. Okay. Um, Celtic. So Irish mythology features a similar creature known as Delahan, whose head would be tucked under his or her arm. The head was said to have large eyes and a smile that could reach the head's ears. Kind of jokerish. Um, the Dullahan would ride a black horse or a carriage pulled by black horses and stop at the house of someone about to die and call their name. And immediately the person would die. I love that because of naming. Mm. Um, the Dullahan did not like being watched. And it was believed that if a Dullahan known some, knew someone was watching them, they would lash that person's eyes with their whip, which was made of spine. Or they would toss a basin of blood on the person, which was a sign that the person was next to die. Um, in England, the personified death featured in medieval morality plays, um, uh, which also appeared later in traditional folk songs. Uh, this is a verse from Death and the Lady from the 19th century. Fair lady, throw those costly robes aside. No longer may you glory in your pride. Take leave of all sour, carnal, vain delight. I've come to summon you away this night. So that's a male interpretation um, speaking to a woman, I think. Um, so what do we have? We have black horses. We have death as a female figure. We have death and the lady. I'm really oh. curious about like, because you had said in the Spanish speaking cultures, because the word for death is a feminine noun, that death is then characterized uh, or personified as being a woman. And mm -hmm. I've wondered this before just in speaking French, but yeah, also Spanish to some extent. Like what, how, how was it decided what words were masculine and feminine? Like did it have anything to do with gender or is that just, is it, is it a completely separate thing? And like also why do we call it masculine and feminine? Like that shit's weird. It's a great question. You speak French much more often than I do. <laughs> I just don't like I it's I'm sure it's Latin, although I don't know if there's gendered language in Latin. I don't know. Um Okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, now I'm Googling that. <laughs> uh, in linguistics, grammatical gender system is a specific form of noun class where nouns are assigned with gender categories that are often not related to their real world qualities. Okay. Um, in languages with grammatical gender, most or all nouns carry one value of the grammatical category called gender. Um, why? Don't know. But Wikipedia tells us it's not related that are often not related to their real world qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Cause obviously like woman and man, those words are going to be like la and le respectively. La femme and l'homme uh, in French. But uh, so yes, sometimes they are in form, but you said often not. So I guess for mm -hmm. death, then we can't tell which came first. The idea that death is a woman or the idea that, uh, or, or that the word for death is feminine and so death is a woman. Unclear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I guess think of that what, what you want. Okay. 
Um, I have a bunch of stuff on the Angel of Death. Mm. Um, so this is again from Wikipedia. Oh, According wait, sorry. The- I'm so sorry. Before, I just wanted oh, to go. comment on uh, that poem that you read, the uh, mm-hmm. Fair Lady one. Um, yep. In that poem, the uh, death, I guess, uh, comes mm-hmm. to take away somebody at night. And I was yep. just, I made a mental note saying like, ooh, night here being equated or like linked to death in a way that we might be seeing on the song where uh, like it's just like the a day represented as a life or a, a, a other way oh ugh, my god other way around where the life is represented as a day and the night of that life slash day is the end of the day slash the end of the life and so it's just another uh linking of death with night and i was thinking to myself like do most deaths happen at night or is that just a totally symbolic thing and i think it must just be symbolic but i don't know yeah, I mean, my brain wants to say that it's symbolic because night is scary and unknown and um, yeah, that we just want to tie scary things to that. Um, but what the actual statistics on are on that, I have no idea. Okay. Um, I wonder if anyone takes data on that. I'm sure they do. Um, Someone must. Okay, sorry. So Angel of Death you were talking about. Yeah. Okay. Which sounds kind of sick visually. <laughs> um, according to the Midrash, the angel of death was created by God on the first day. Which is like, I don't, so I'm not, I, we're going to say this a million thousand times, but I'm not a religious person. I haven't thought, I only think about the Bible in the context of this podcast now. I only think about God really in the context of this <laughs> podcast. Um, but like on the first day. Create death on the first day? Yeah, that does seem weird. Were humans created on the first day even? No. Okay, hold on. When were humans? When did God create humans? Which day? Okay, what are the seven days of creation? Humans weren't created until the sixth day. So then what's death doing for the planet? Okay, maybe hold on. The first day light I was created. Be, I, the second day I the sky be. was created. The third day dry so, land, seas, plants, and trees were created. How is death around so from this, day one? This is my misinterpretation. Oh. This is the Midrash, which is um a Jewish uh interpretation. Okay, okay, okay. So that's probably why the discrepancy. Um, yeah. All right, sorry. So my bad there. Nope. nope. Um, uh, the angel of death is in heaven. Uh, he reaches the earth in eight flights. He has 12 wings. Pretty cool. Excessive um, wings. Okay. It is said of the angel of death that he is full of eyes. Mm. In the hour of death, he stands at the head of the departing one with a drawn sword to which clings a drop of gall. As soon as the dying man sees death, he is seized with a convulsion and opens his mouth, whereupon death throws the drop into it. This drop causes a death. He turns putrid and his face becomes yellow. And I have yellow in, like, huge font because, <laughs> um, is yellow one of the colors of the four horsemen? It is not, but pale oh, okay. is. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Never mind. But pale is sometimes described as like this weird yellowy green. I remember reading about that last think of time. Pea soup. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, I am curious about this this tendency that we have, I guess, as humans uh, to characterize death as so. In the one that you had just read, it was mm-hmm. death with, or the angel of death had appeared with a sword, or mm-hmm. typically appears with a sword. And in the Grim Reaper, there's always a scythe. Like, what is the extraction? Like, are we supposed to picture, like, what is the purpose of these weapons? Mm. Does death need to, like, sever, like, some string that, like, tethers us to earth? And, like, what is it? It's never clear. I feel like we talked about this last time. And I feel like we said that the scythe does exactly that, at least in our interpretation, that it, yeah. It cuts you. We both did a cutting motion. <laughs> um, that it like severs um, the either like the physical from the metaphysical or like the um, spiritual from like the physical human form. Um, Violent. And that that's why the weapon. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the weapon exists. It's funny that or like interesting that 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 would be. I was going to say across cultures, but I actually don't know how culturally distinct uh, the Grim Reaper would be from the Angel of Death, that they're just sort of like m- morph or like adaptations of each other. Or, uh, yeah, sure. which one came first? Yeah. What's interesting about the Angel of Death, too, is that he has a sword, but the thing that, that takes the life is the drop of gall. Uh, yeah. What's gall? And bile. Oh, gross. Okay. Yeah. Where does he get the bile from? Does someone know this? Can someone <laughs> explain this to us? There's so if many you, questions. Like, have, yeah, if you've studied this, I would really like to know. Oh my God, I would love to know. I have a friend who studies the philosophy of death, but cool. it's very, very unlikely to include some symbolism of death. It's more like, why is death bad for a person and if there's nobody there yeah. to experience the dying? Sure. If a tree falls, does anyone hear it? <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, so we continue. The rabbis found the angel of death mentioned in Psalm 89:48, um, where the Targum translates, there is no man who lives and seeing the angel of death can deliver his soul from his hand. One may not escape the angel of death, nor to say to him, wait until I put my affairs in order. Or there is my son, my slave, take him in my stead. Um, which I think is just saying, like, you can't say, hold on, death, I'm not ready. And you also can't say, take my son instead. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> no negotiating. Awful thing to say. Exactly. No negotiating with death. It's your time. It's your time. Um, in Islam, the archangel Azrael is the Maluk al-Mo. I might be totally... Um, uh, mispronouncing that, please excuse me. He and his many subordinates pull the souls out of bodies, so no weapons here, as Wikipedia says, um, and guides them through the journey of the afterlife. Um, their appearance depends, oh, this is cool. Their appearance depends on the person's deeds and actions, mm-hmm. and those that did good see a beautiful being, and those that did wrong see a horrific monster. Um, I think that's really cool that depending on how you lived your life, your experience of death is different. But then that also depends on like a moral system um, that I don't really believe in either. Yeah. Um, 
Um, the Islamic tradition discusses elaborately as to what exactly happens before, during, and after the death. The angel of death appears to the dying to take out their souls. The sinner's souls, again, this like moral thing, um, are extracted in a most painful way while the righteous are treated easily. Um, oh, and there's like a, oh, this is cool, dude. There's a time period or stage between death and resurrection um, called the Barz, Barzak. Bar, what is it? Barzak? Bar, probably Barzak. Okay. Barzak. B-A-R-Z-A-K-H. Um, okay. And then we get back to our old friend, Greek mythology. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, fucking bug. In Greek mythology, Thanatos, Thanatos, yep, um, was the personification of death. He was a minor figure and he was referred to often but rarely appeared in person. Um, the god's character is established by Hesiod in the following passage of the Theogony, Theogony, and okay, and here's the passage. And there are the children of the dark night, and there the children of dark night have their dwellings, sleep and death, awful gods. The glowing sun never looks upon them with his beams, neither as he goes up into heaven, nor as he comes down from heaven. And the former of them roam peacefully over the earth, and the seas broad back. Roam peacefully over the earth, and the seas broad back, and is kindly to men. But the other has a heart of iron, and his spirit within him is as pitiless as bronze. Whomsoever of men he has once seized, he holds fast, and he is hateful even to the deathless gods. There's something very tiny falling here. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read that. Okay. These ones are my favorite because they are uh, women personified. So then we have Marzana, who is, oh, has many different names. I'm going to say the Polish name. Um, so there's Marzana, there's Moray in Lithuanian, there's Morena in Russian, Mare in Ukrainian, Morana in Czech and Slovenia, um, and Morena in Slovak and Macedonian, and Mora in Bulgarian. <laughs> wow, okay. So she is a pagan Slavic goddess associated with seasonal rites based on the idea of death and rebirth of nature. She is an ancient goddess associated with winter's death, rebirth, and dreams. Mm. In ancient Slavic rites, the death of the goddess Marzana at the end of winter becomes the rebirth of spring of the goddess Kostroma, representing the coming of spring. Mm. I like the idea then that in our verse, death, the, the she, the word came down that she was here. We were speculating that she was death, could be the same she as spring, but given this like transformational nature of uh, the personification of death and what you just read, that's a cool idea too. Yeah, that one transform, transforms to another. Yeah. <sighs> okay. And then there's this cool thing. Wow. It's called the Drowning of Marzana. So we remember that Marzana is the pagan Slavist go goddess with seasonal rites. Okay. Marzana is also the name to describe the effigy of the goddess, which was ritually burned and or drowned during an early spring ritual. Um, 
to hasten the approach of spring. The custom of drowning the effigy of Marzana derives from sacrificial rites. Its function was to ensure a good harvest in the upcoming year. Mm. So it's an effigy made of straw, wrapped in white cloth, and adorned with ribbons and necklaces. Traditionally, the effigy has been carried past every house in the village by a group of children holding green juniper twigs. In this procession, Marzana was repeatedly dipped in every encountered puddler's stream. In the evening, the effigy passed to the young adults. The juniper twigs were lit and thus illuminated Marzana, uh, was carried out of the village, burned, and thrown into the water. I liked this because we were talking about weeping grass. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe we could pull that from this effigy-based ritual um, because she's being dipped in every pond and I'm being lit on fire and thrown into the water. But and also being concerned cool. with harvest stuff I think is really interesting mm -hmm. too because in time as a symptom, we get a lot of imagery of like agriculture and, and Demeter and Persephone and uh, there's a lot of agriculture agricultural harvest shit going on there. So we'll yeah. get to that when we get to it, but but it could be relevant. Yes. Okay. I think that I think that's it. Okay, cool. Really, really cool. So when you were talking about the Greek mythology, what was the guy's name? Thanatos. Death Thanatos. Thanatos, yes. Um I did some Wikipedia clicking. <laughs> Yay. And discovered this. Okay, so in Greek mm. mythology, the Keres, K-E-R-E-S, mm -hmm. the Keres were female death spirits. They were the goddesses who personified violent death and who were drawn to bloody deaths on battlefields. Although they were present during death and dying, they did not have the power to kill. All they could do was wait and then feast on the dead. The Caries were daughters of Nyx, and as such, the sisters of beings such as uh, Moirai, who controlled the fate of souls, and Thanatos, the god of peaceful death. So we have these uh, goddesses of violent death being contrasted with the male god of peaceful death. Um which I thought was super interesting. And then one other thing I found that might be relevant here. Sorry. So the peaceful death was personified as a man. Yes. And the violent death was personified as a woman. As two women, sisters. Two women. Yes. Yeah. And then um, on the same page here, uh, so there might also be a connection between the Caries, these sisters of death, and the Valkyries of Norse mythology. So both deities are war spirits that fly over battlefields during conflicts and choose those, those to be slain. So what that makes me think of obviously is like the night jars and like the soldiers of uh, birds that we had flying over the battlefields in anecdotes, like literally flying over. And then yes. given that we have bird imagery connected to leaving the city with the bird flying in with spring flying into the window, I am I am tinfoil hatting all sorts of connections here. I love all of those connections. I love that they're connected to battlefields. I love that it's a female personification of violent death. Yeah. And I also really love the idea that maybe our narrator is twinned. Oh. That like 
right? That like there's these two representations of spring or of yes yeah that it's not just one person oh man i didn't even think of it but totally so twinning i know is a theme in this album i just don't know let's look at our list much about that yeah Uh, we'll get back to the twinning idea for sure in different songs uh but that is super added to our list cool um and just the idea too that that there's the battlefield, so like in yes, in, yeah, like all, all sorts of different battlefields might be happening here. So like in anecdotes, I'm trying to remember what we thought the war exactly was, um, just like the war to maybe like fight against. I don't know what we thought it was about in anecdotes, but here it seems like we've already talked about like this battle against nature to like try to buck against what we know is coming in waltz of the 101st lightborn it's this war against us between us and our ghosts right where it's like literally we're colonizing ourselves in space time um yes i i'm curious about like what battlefield specifically uh might be going on in each song or in yeah in this one yeah Oh, hold on. I'm going to add that to our list, too. Scroll up, scroll up. Twinning, circles and cycled. What battle? And I like the idea that our battle changes as we move through the songs, too, that it's not only, like, identifying what we typically define as a battle, but that it's all of these different things. Um, yeah, totally. That there's different and yet different battles, but it's almost like the content of each of the battles doesn't matter, all things considered. It's like that there's a fight that, yeah, I don't know. But we have these birds and these death spirits that are flying above everything, being removed from it, but also not entirely removed being removed from the drama of it while sort of watching us and being like they're about to die so yeah we're we're gonna have to do with that what we will that's so cool so cool i love finding this these little wormholes here okay so i i think we were finished talking about weeping grass and sleeplessness. I think so. Glass. So that means that we're at the next verse. I have one more thing. I might have Good. already said it though. <laughs> but when I get that's the entire podcast. <laughs> that's okay, that's very, very fair. Brand. So mm-hmm. when we have the image of Spring breaking herself upon the window glass of our narrator, I think that in addition to the bird imagery that we talked about, there might also be this, um, like another allusion to the fact that our narrator is being resistant. So I'm picturing like Spring having to bang herself upon the window glass of our narrator because she's not coming out of her house and like she Mm. needs to come. And so it like brings to it, like that gives us this very like horror movie image of this fucking force or being like smashing themselves upon the window 
of the house that you're inside of, like almost like this zombie, like trying to get in, but like keep having to keep smashing against this window because you're being resistant to the idea of dying. I don't know. That was, that was the other image that I got, which is all very dark and very scary. It is, but it also just brings us back to the idea that it's unavoidable, right? Like, even if you're hiding away in your little house in the country and you're pretending that the seasons aren't changing, the death isn't coming. Like, it's going to come find you. It's going to come find you, yeah. Drop the gall in your mouth or psych your (laughs) person from your spirit or whatever. Totally. Um, Yeah, but but that's that's unavoidable. But that it'll also be a struggle. I like to, like, she broke herself. It's not as though she was still able to do it painlessly. It's like she had to smash herself against the glass and she broke herself so badly that as we're going to see in the forthcoming verse, the light leaked her fissures. And again, like, I'm shivering. It's horrible. (laughs) It's so bad. Okay. So I will leave you to read the next verse then, if that's okay. Oh, golly. And she sings beautifully, as Nikki said before. (laughs) And I could barely breathe, foreseeing all the splintered light that leaked her fissures, fleeing, launched in flight, on staunch daylight, brightly bleeding, bleached the night, with dawn deleting. Do we keep going? I'll keep going because it's a Yeah, comma. keep going. So, bleach the night with dawn deleting in that high sun after our good run when the spirit bends beneath knowing it must end. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> this is crazy. This is some of my favorite imagery that she's ever conjured up yeah. which is saying a whole lot because it's a bop too. it like is i want to like throw myself while i sing along with it totally like, head banged this first. yeah yeah this whole song is such a friggin amazing bop yeah. it's so good it's so good so our narrator could barely breathe which to me, both brings to mind, like, I could barely breathe because I was so, like, in shock. Like, I was so, like, like, the way that I feel when I listen to the this verse. I'm like, oh, I could barely breathe because I'm so fucking yeah. worked up. But then also, I think maybe this is another allusion to the fact that she's about to die. Like, she could barely breathe. Yeah, and that the, this transition from life to death arrived in such a shocking and quick and violent way. Yeah. Um, and the way that death arrives, or the way that spring arrives, whatever we're saying here, is by breaking the window glass. And, I, you know, we do we do have two people here, I guess, right? I don't know if they're two distinct narrators, but shocking this person who's fighting this character who's fighting against death who's seeing this splint oh it's just it's a lot and also the horror of like being inside your little house trying to escape death and then seeing her breaking herself smashing against your window glass trying to get in like that i i would barely be able to breathe too (laughs) yeah yeah, and is it barely breathing? Be barely breathing because of your you're terrified of this thing, or you're shocked that it that it is happening in this way, yeah. or that 
you're surprised or that you're, I don't know. Or that you're just independently sick and can barely breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That you're, you're, you know, so close to death that, um, that's the barely breathe yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. I also, um, this is like another sentence structure question that I have, which is always sort of confusing to talk about in like audio podcast form, but I'm going to try. So like the way she says, I could barely breathe for seeing. So the four is what makes me question things. So in my head, I'm looking for a sentence structure that follows the form of like, um, like I could barely breathe for the cancer was eating my lungs or something, right? Like I could barely breathe yeah. for the fact that I had ran for 20 minutes or whatever. Um, yeah. And so I'm like looking for the the reason that she can't breathe following the four. And mm -hmm. I think the reason is that, she, okay, foreseeing all the splintered light that leaked all the way, how do I say this? So she could barely breathe because seeing all this splintered light leaking, launched in flight, on staunch daylight, brightly bleeding, that all of that bleached the night with Dawn deleting. Uh, so for seeing all that shit happening, what that did was it bleached the night with Dawn. So in my head, I don't know if this is making any sense coming out. Probably it's not. But in my head, the thought is that um, seeing spring bleeding light is what caused the dawn to come, which is to say is what caused the transition between lives or like the death or whatever to happen. I can see in your face I didn't make sense. No, you did make okay. sense. I was just deciding if I agree okay, with you. Okay. But this is just a theory. I don't know. A sentence structure oh, theory. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if I see it as all of the splintered light and leaking and fleeing and launched in flight caused the dawn to come or like I, I, I think the debate I'm having is did all of this violence cause dawn to come or did it cause our narrator to realize that like, oh, this is actually happening? Yeah, right. Like, oh. Oh, I'm dying. Um, oh, oh, like, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the sentence structure is really hard here. I want to say that um, because we have a colon here, so we have, and I could barely breathe, comma, for seeing all the splintered light that leaked her fissures, comma, Fleeing, comma, launched in, launched in flight, colon. I want to say that those first few things are linked to barely breathing. So I could barely breathe because I saw the splintered light leaking from her fissures. Um, it's so hard to talk. <laughs> right. It's so hard. Um, and like the, the, the verb tense maybe then is what is throwing me off because seeing yeah. makes it sound like something's yeah. going to come after it. Uh, like for seeing all this did what? Because we wouldn't just say, I could barely breathe for seeing birds or whatever. It would be like, I could barely breathe for seeing birds killing the owl or something. 
I don't, I may, I'm trying to make sense of the sentence of the sentence structure and it is hard for me, but I think that you're right though. Like that, that there's a colon there is informative, but I don't know what it's informing us of. <laughs> I feel like we probably have some wordplay with foreseeing and to foresee. Oh, interesting. To. Um, oh, that's super interesting. I didn't get that, but I think you're right. But I feel like it's also kind of a joke because, like, I feel like it's it's denoting that, like, our narrator knew this was coming. Yeah. In the back of her mind. Oh, my God. Knew that all of this violence was coming. Knew that she couldn't escape it, but still tried. <laughs> I'm clapping for sound. I totally think you're exactly right here. I am mind blown at the foreseeing, foreseeing play yeah like uh, if we imagine it's just one word imagine it's just like foreseeing then like I could barely breathe comma foreseeing all the splintered light so like she can barely breathe because she can see that she's about to die like she can see all the deleting that's about to happen and all of the the yeah and maybe too too many thoughts sorry guys but Mm -hmm. maybe too one of the, the things that she's foreseeing is not just that she's going to die, but all the deleting that's going to happen before she gets like reincarnated or whatever it is before the cycle mm-hmm. begins again. Um, so like maybe in death, we get this privileged perspective that we didn't have in life, which is that this all has to start over and all this deleting has to happen. And it's like this whole world was completely unbeknownst to me as I was in the alive stage. I get the vibe too that all of this has happened before. Yes. If we are foreseeing something, it means that we knew beforehand. Yeah. So I feel like this like very, like this slice of time, this like very rare temporal second where the scythe is reaping (laughs) and the gall is dripping is like allows you to and this is just like weird trippy time shit allows you to remember like all of the times this has happened before and only in that second you're like (laughs) my interpretation of this verse is only oh (laughs) yeah yeah right right like this is what that feels like and then we have it's like, zoop, yeah, gone. totally. For this one second, you get this understanding before it gets taken from you and you start over again. But I love that. Yeah. I love the idea that there's this, there's this very brief realization that like this has all happened before. And like the deleting part is what enables it to all happen again. And then the deleting just happens. Yeah. So you have this one tiny little second. Yeah, this is, I'm excited. this is why i do the podcast for these little moments of joy and glory that are which is hilarious because we have these like joyous glorious moments and then i literally don't remember what we (laughs) talked about like our sweet friend oh my god which is such a mirroring of what we just talked about in this verse (laughs) (laughs) 
Does this mean we're close to death, Sam? Are we making sense to anybody who isn't you and me right now? Because I'm not sure. Let us know. (laughs) I just had to check if we were even recording because I would be so sad if we didn't record any of this. And we're not talking about this song anymore. That's it. We cracked the code. Um, There's lots of language in this verse that I just wanted to define quickly because I had to look all of this up um, because these are not words that I use on a daily basis. Like this is a kindergarten teacher voice. We are like, (laughs) these are brand new words, friends. I, so I think the first one that I wanted to just mention was fishers, Uh just like a really strange mouth shape, fishers. Yeah. So a fisher is, um, it can be many things. It is, it can be a long, narrow opening, a crack or a cleft. It can also be the process of splitting or separating, um, which again, scythe, reaping. Um, (laughs) it can be like a separation of things. Um, in anatomy, it can be a normal groove or furrow as in the liver or brain that divides an organ into, oh, I should have thought of that. I just did a whole brain class thing. There's so many fissures in the brain. It can be a break in the skin. Um, it can be a deep, sharp, longitudinal depression of a surface. So it's like a, it's like a a thing that divides a thing, like a border of sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe not a border. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. Um, I think the next one I wanted to mention was unstaunched. Unstaunched, yeah. So staunch is to be loyal, trustworthy, reliable, dependable, persistent. Um, if it's a verb, it can also, staunch can also mean to stop the flow of blood which i think is what we're using here um so unstaunched (laughs) is not stopped is not stopped so we have not stopped daylight brightly bleeding and bleaching the night with dawn deleting so we have this like what's the word i want to say like bleeding a lot yes like bleeding hemorrhaging yeah hemorrhaging like this hemorrhaging of daylight, yeah. which is causing the deleting, which is causing the bleaching of the night, and like is the trigger to <laughs> to the starting over process. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I also looked up splintered just to make oh, cool. sure that I knew what that was, and it just defines splintered as um, or splinter to break or to cause to break into small, sharp fragments, which is, I think, what I was thinking or, like, what I was picturing given the lyrics. But they're so – it adds to the violence for me and also just, like, the unbelievable skill of Joanna as a poet. It's just – wow, 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 wow. It's just breathtaking. (laughs) Breathtaking. Um, (laughs) Like, the – yeah, so in my head it's that we – See spring having broken herself upon the window glasses all cut up. And so we have these like sharp shards of light that are leaking from her fissures. Um, I'm picturing, I can't describe it, but like I'm picturing this like broken being with like these like lights coming from her. 
Um, yes. And that described as, as like fleeing her body, fleeing, like, like eager to like escape her body. Yeah. Launched in flight because they're like being projected outwards, unstaunched, not stopping, hemorrhaging light, yeah. brightly bleeding because it's going to be bright because it's actually light that she's bleeding, not blood. Mm-hmm. And then that all bleaching the night because it's fucking light, guys. Jesus. It's <laughs> so cool. It is really it's cool. It's so cool. Oh my god. And awful and terrifying and like I also really like the idea that once this process has started, like that's why it's unstopped. Yeah. Once this I'm looking at the lyrics to Kingfisher now um because I wanted to um compare the like violence in this verse to the end of the verse and it also made me think of it is too short the day we are born we commence with our dying. Yeah. So it's like as as soon as you're born that's it. This process begins. Totally. Exactly. And you're just marching towards the swoop. Or, like yeah. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the violence here, I really want to tie to the Kingfishers. I saw that my blood had no bounds. Yeah. That's unstaunched. That is right? unstaunched for sure. Spreading in a circle like an atom bomb, soaking and felling everything in its path. Like that's that seems like unstaunched bleeding yeah. here. I'm really curious about the idea of bleeding as it as it links to femininity and like traditional conceptions mm, of womanhood. Sure. Because I mean, I'm very much like knee deep in this now having just given birth and and taking care of a baby, but like the connection between cis women's bodies and bleeding and the regeneration of life is like pretty extensive considering like our periods come every month as bloody reminders that like you didn't do it you didn't make a life and like Mm -hmm. you're gonna bleed for that and so like these like cis women bodies have to bleed which is like this like violent loss kind of imagery and then when we don't get a period, it's all—it's just that this bleeding is delayed. Like, so we are making a little life yeah. inside of us. And then the birth comes and that's a violent, painful, bloody process too. And so like this self-sacrifice that, that cis women have to endure, cis women and, and trans men, people with uteruses, that they have to endure in order to regenerate life for all of humanity is like the way that those two things are, are tied together is really fascinating to me and speaks to this, this sacrifice that um, comes along with having a uterus that like is almost hand in hand with having a uterus. And that I also think gives people with uteruses, these better under this better understanding, this deeper understanding of, and this deeper connection to that kind of cycle, that kind of cycle of life and death and just like the hardship and 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 suffering that that is necessary to um, both bring beings into life and then also as like Joanna points out that there's a parallel here, uh, leaving life. Like I think that we're just closer 
connected to that or something. Yeah, I, and this is related in a kind of funny way. I saw this TikTok recently that was like, what is the biological thing that makes you forget, makes people with uteruses forget how awful a period is every oh, month? God. Like, how does it, how is it that if you bleed, you finish bleeding? And this is my experience, at least. I forget totally. how awful yeah. that week was. I forget how awful I felt. I forget how terrible my brain felt and my body felt. And then it happens yeah. again. And you're like, oh, my oh, God, fuck. this is so like, bad. How is yeah. yeah. How is this so bad? How do I do this all the time? And I want to connect that too to this swoop yeah. <laughs> cycle. Like you have this like. I don't know, this like cycle of remembering and forgetting that it never like your body doesn't let you remember how bad it is because you need to be able to do it again. And I wonder if this there's a similar thing with birth that like something happens when you're giving birth that your brain just doesn't let you go there totally. because in order to keep reproducing, you can't go totally. there. And Joanna says as much, right? With the, when, mm -hmm. when cruel birth Cruel birth debases, debases we, we forget. forget exactly, and then when cruel death debases, right? When cruel birth, we believe it erases, yeah, all the rest, all that the precedes. rest, the precedes. yeah, oh, so good. All right, so bleeding as oh, perhaps connected to femininity, uh, which uh, is connected to violence because it's bleeding, which is connected to both death and rebirth, which is connected to fertility, which is connected to femininity. I'm into it. Yeah, I think we could also frame like that that blood as as spring to yeah. right as something new and fresh and clean and whatever. Um yeah, I don't know. Cool connection. Because the blood here is is doing the regenerating. It's just way more violent mm -hmm. than we're used to reading about and like hearing hearing referred to. Like it's not just this like, oh, and the birds started chirping and everything. It's like no. Someone yeah. had to do that. Spring had to come in and fucking sacrifice and bleed for it and break herself for it. And like, yes, what comes about from that is this beautiful regeneration. And like, we need that regeneration. And Dawn deletes. Dawn, like the the blood here, which is light, gets rid of all the bad shit. But like, wow, someone had to work for that. And like the someone who had to work for that and sacrifice themselves for that is is a she. Mm hmm. So sick. So sick. <sighs> okay. Dawn deleting After. in that eye, Sonia. Yeah. Yeah, so then the thought continues, right? Bleach the night with dawn deleting in that high sun after our good run when the spirit bends beneath knowing it must end. I don't have a ton of notes past here. Mm. Um, I think the high sun is just referring to um, this unstaunched daylight. Um, and it's probably a play on words too, right? Like what does high sun mean? Is high sun noon? I was wondering that too. It makes me think of like a, a literal clock where like high sun would be like at the 12 mm. o'clock. Yeah. And then, and then there's like another cycle, lots of cycles, lots of cyclical themes mm -hmm. here. But that it's the beginning or end of something that it's like, um, 
Yeah, high sun is midday. Near to noon or to sunrise or sunset, but also the sun is much higher in the sky. But I think here the... The higher the sun, the more intense its rays are on the ground, and the hotter the ground and the air near the ground will be. But I think that's referencing this unstaunched daylight that, like, spring has come, yeah. and it's intense. Yeah. Spring is spring is a lot. Spring is a lot. I get the image that this is, like, probably over-specifying it, where it need not be over-specified, but um, I get the image that, like, from the point of dawn, which is when the deleting all starts to like high sun midday that time is all spent violently deleting and then like dawn mm -hmm. and then midday comes like high sun comes and we start over here like we the morning was spent violently deleting everything that came before and then at noon <laughs> the high sun's here and we get to start with the baby time again we get to start reliving our lives in a yeah mm -hmm. I like that it's referred to that our lives are referred to as our good run. Oh. I don't know if it's our as in um, a couple. I don't know if it's our as in like greater humanity. Yeah. I don't know if it's like our as in person and nature, like our time on earth here together. Yeah. Um, but that's like a really, after all this violence, it seems wrong. <laughs> But it's a really sweet way to kind of position our time on our totally. own. Totally. As a good run. There's something so sad about that. Like, yeah. we gave it a good go. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly it. We did what we could. Yeah, we did what we could. It's like the most human thing. It is the most. Exactly. After. Yeah, so after our good run, after our live, lives are up, when our spirit bends beneath knowing it must end. And so I'm picturing the bending of the spirit happening, um, you know, upon our narrator's realization when spring is banging herself upon the win the window glass and our narrator's spirit is bending, being like, it. I didn't, I'm not separate from nature, it turns out. Like, I'm not above it all. I have to, it has to end. Sad, sad, sad. Yeah, I feel like these last two lines are that that moment. Oh, someone's cutting their grass. I'm so sorry. Hold my microphone closer. It's winter. Don't do that. Um, it's not winter. It's <laughs> um, when the spirit bends beneath knowing it, beneath knowing it must end. I take as that split second when the scythe is reaping oh, too, yeah. and that like the spirit bending is like the curve of the scythe Aww. as it pulls the spirit from the body. And then I love this last line here too, beneath knowing it must end. Yeah. My question is like, what does beneath mean here? Hmm. Is it like, my, my note is beneath what? Yeah. <laughs> is it like our consciousness? Is it this idea that we've talked before, talked about earlier in the episode where like, our narrator knows what's coming. Yeah. Our narrator has, this cycle has happened before. Um, yeah. I don't know. In my head, it's it's that the spirit is bending beneath the weight and like the, the like immediacy of knowing it must end. Like it's like she's like, oh, right the fuck here. And so. That this is heavy. Yeah, that, that it's like a heavy thing that she's bending to. I also mm -hmm. really love the 
parallel between the spirit bending here beneath knowing it must end and in the very next verse when she's drawing her gaunt spirit to bow like what's the next verse is the last verse I know isn't that crazy Mm. but like the so I'm just gonna read it because we're just gonna finish it okay so yeah. Uh, she writes, and that is all I want here, to draw my gaunt spirit to bow beneath what I am allowed, beneath what I am allowed. And so, yeah, this like parallel imagery between the spirit bending beneath something, maybe the weight of knowing it must end, and then also her drawing her spirit to bow, which is like the same motion, but but with different meanings depending on like our intentions or just maybe the way we're maybe just our perspective, maybe just the way we're framing things. Yeah. Like, are they different things actually? So like if you're bowing, you're showing like reverence to whatever it is you're bowing to. And maybe like when her spirit is bending in the verse we were just talking about, it's a way of showing reverence, like beneath knowing it must end. Like I've, I'm not fighting it anymore. I am showing reverence to time. I thought of this one differently. I thought of it as a bow instead of a bow. And I think I just thought of that motion of the pulling to draw my gaunt spirit. So your gaunt spirit as emaciated and tired and like, you know, been through the shit these last few verses. And, uh, but to draw my gaunt spirit, to bow beneath what I am allowed. What is beneath me? What? <laughs> what is beneath me? What is be- beneath what I'm allowed? We talked about, what did we say what allowed means? I think we, I think we had said it just like from the dot at the beginning of our lives, following the line to the dot at the end of our lives, like that, that time period, whatever you're going to do in that preset time period that... Uh, you only get this much space. And so like you don't get to extend that. You don't get to defy death. You need to follow the laws of nature. And like here's your little plot of existence. So what does it mean to be beneath that then? It makes me think of the dimensions of perception that we talked about earlier, right? That like beneath we could either take as Huh. Okay. Now I'm wondering, because we talked about these deep sea creatures that perceive time, perceive those little light flashes in a slower way than birds do, is it like the desire to have time pass slower? And I'm only saying that because I'm in my brain the visual I have of like I have like our horizontal line of what we are allowed and then I have birds on the top and I have <laughs> those what were they even called those deep sea they weren't whales they were those little little little, little bugs little, guys. little pine wood lice wood lice deep deep sea marine isopods perfect just like look like little shrimpy <laughs> crustacean-y guys I have those on the bottom and birds on the top. I don't know. Hmm. It also... We do have an... Oops, sorry. I was just going to say, it also makes me think, like, 
if we're talking about like, you know, uh, the Greek twin characterizations of death that we got the image of them flying over the battlefield, sort of like waiting for mm. people to die violently. Um, I a little bit get the image of like, look, those goddesses of death are allowing you to not die. Um, and we're mm. sort of all at the mercy of like, yeah, like these like hovering birds, like vultures that are like really ominous. And so you're just sort of figuring out how to respect that and like come to accept the fact, like bringing your gaunt spirit to bow. Also, the, the fact that the spirit is gaunt is so interesting, but like bringing your yeah. weak, tired spirit to just come to accept that this is what I am allowed and like that I am subject to these other forces. Some of the synonyms for gaunt, gaunt are cadaverous. Oh my god! Just like, which I feel like just brings like the the very human physical aspect yeah. in in a way that's kind of awful. Yeah. Emaciated, haggard, skeletal, wasted. Skeletal is an interesting one, as is cadaverous, because if we're thinking of a gaunt spirit, mm -hmm. it's interesting to give that like a human. A human form. totally yeah what does it mean though beneath what i am allowed i draw my gaunt spirit to bow beneath what i am allowed it feels sneaky to me it feels like we're like sneaking underneath oh yeah like you know there's like a place we're not allowed oh, in so we have to like find yeah yeah, there's like the have to like, the space that you're allowed and you're below it. You're like trying still a little bit to get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That is all I want here, Colin, to draw my gaunt spirit to bow beneath what I'm allowed. What does genius say about this? Mm, good question. Also, the fact that it's now all she wants seems to be a different take than she had earlier in the song. Like it seemed like she was fighting – against it more earlier and now she's like look my desires have changed yeah, I'm tired <laughs> like that is all I want here to draw my and like what is here the country now is here just away from the city is that what we're talking about great question mm -hmm. I'm gonna take here as like in this mortal yeah, life yeah yeah totally but what does that mean? All I want in life is to like sneak beneath what I am allowed is to draw my gaunt spirit to bow beneath what I am allowed. What the fuck? I don't know. To me, the yeah, to me it's just like I want to humble myself to the fact that this is all I am allowed. Maybe not beneath the weight of all I'm allowed, but like beneath the knowledge. Because like, again, there's a to me, there's a little bit of an image of like the knowledge of it causing her to bow um, and recognizing that there is a certain amount that I am allowed and that I am not the dictator of 
of what that is, of what I am allowed and like how much of it I get. Okay. And then it also makes me want to think of like the weight of all this knowledge um, in that split second before you swoop, before the swipe, scythe swoops you, you have the knowledge of all of these transitions. You have the knowledge of all of this violence and that's heavy. And that heaviness, I don't know, causes you to like shrink with the weight of Maybe. it. Maybe. <sighs> um, I have a little excerpt from um, Simon who sent an email um, with little, so Simon's email, we've mentioned it before, and I think we've read a few bits of it as we've moved through the songs. Simon sent like a synopsis of the questions they think Joanna is asking and answering. Right. Um, and so Simon's thoughts for this episode on this specific line was a direct and conscious plea to be content with the time that has been granted, which I really like. Um, I don't know. I'm struggling with the preposition beneath. Yeah, I, I do understand that. I, I do understand struggling with the preposition. <sighs> and also just like maybe after having gone through all of that, after having seen the fishers uh, fleeing, launched in flight and bleeding, all of it, um, whether the narrator knows that that cycle is about to start again or just is wishing that for her like former self or whatever is just like this calmer, like stop fighting against it. Stop like being as like frantic maybe as you were being, which is connected to the city um, and, and settle down into this like slower country vibe, this slower vibe of acceptance and, not fighting against the fact that death is coming, not fighting the battle, like put your guns down, mm -hmm. um, which would tie into the theme of, or like the title of the song, leaving the city. Like this is my process of leaving the, the frenetic battling of trying to fight against what is inevitably coming. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Beneath is confusing. It's a beautiful summary. Know. Very beautiful. Did we do it? I think we did it, which is so crazy. Thank you all so much for holding on as we trudged and broke ourselves <laughs> against the window glass that is this song. Um, thank you. You can find us on Instagram. We have an Instagram that is called A Hopeless Endeavor Podcast. You can email us at a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com. That's E-N-D-E-A-V-O-R. We've gotten some really amazing emails lately um, that we will include in bonus episodes because lots of them don't have to do with diverse stuff. Um, but yeah, send us those anytime. Nikki runs our Facebook and our Patreon, and she can tell you about those things. I don't really run the Facebook. Sam pretty much does it now. So there's the Facebook group that Sam runs. <laughs> uh, I hope... We Th that we run. We a hopeless endeavor. A John Newsome podcast. The bonus episodes that Sam had mentioned before that we'll do uh, some about the song at least uh, can be found on Patreon. Not yet. They will be able to be found on Patreon. Different bonus bonus episodes exist right now. 
uh, on Patreon, which I will link to in the show notes, but it's just patreon.com slash a hopeless endeavor. You can also find early episode releases there. So check it out. Um, uh, are those all the things? It feels like I'm missing. Oh, we have a Twitter. We also, yeah. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so we got a very sweet um, voice memo. No, we didn't get a voice memo. Sorry. We got a very sweet message from Lucas on Instagram. Um, Lucas and their friend, his friend uh, Felipe, who are from Brazil, um, said very sweetly that we tell everyone on Twitter to listen to the mm-hmm. podcast. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. So when I woke up this morning, I was like, I wonder what people are talking about <laughs> on Twitter. And then, apparently we have a Twitter. <laughs> Neither of us remember We've making only it. Posted so. once. <laughs> I have no idea who made it or um, the only thing we posted about was our only skin episode. But maybe we'll start posting yeah. there if we can find the so password. Maybe we'll try to figure that out for next time. There is a Twitter. We don't know what it is. We don't know what the password is, but we'll get back to you on that no. one. Anyways. But thank you for all the kind things that you guys say about us on it Twitter. We read them before we started recording. And I feel us. like that was really a nice way to start this episode. So thank, thank you, you so for much. saying nice things about yes. us. And for listening. And for listening. And for being just the glorious yous that you are. <sighs> okay. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next week with, oh my God, goose eggs. Crazy. Okay. Okay, bye. bye.